time is kind of running short. And uh, so I'm going to summarize the sermon in one sentence so that if you take nothing else from the sentence or from the sermon, remember this sentence that Jesus is our sympathetic side by side savior. That's the three points of my sermon today that Jesus is a sympathetic side by side savior. You know, the importance of something or uh, uh, of someone is sometimes measured best in its absence. And so if we look at the book of Hebrews, just the entire book, not even just this chapter, but I tell you the book of Hebrews, if we didn't have it in our Bible, our doctrine would be different. The importance of this book alone is, is not understated when the things we know about Jesus, the things that we count true about Jesus would be different if we didn't have the book of Hebrews there to explain and to back it up as proof of what we believe about Hebrews. So I have to tell you that the book of Hebrews is critical to Christian doctrine. It's critical, it's mission important to us. Especially this chapter of, uh, of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2 that we're preaching here, that explains that Jesus was both God, fully God, the Son of God, fully God, just as much creator as God the Father, but also at the same time, fully in every way, shape, and form, Man, just like us. In fact, the heading of my Bible in the section of uh, Hebrews that we're looking at is Jesus made just like his brothers. Jesus puts himself into our category. Jesus puts himself into our world and considers us his brothers. What a privilege that is. Just let that sink in for a second that Jesus puts himself into our category, into being fully human. Without the book of Hebrews, we would miss the support that it lends to the perfection of Jesus, how he walked the world perfect without sin. Without the book of Hebrews, we'd miss uh, the fact that Jesus is our great high priest. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. In fact, uh, Major Shelley's preaching a sermon about that in just a little bit. Without the book of Hebrews, we wouldn't quite understand that Jesus fully understands our human situation. That Jesus has been there. That Jesus understands our emotions and what we're going through. So it's such an important read. So theologians, if you consider yourself a, a studier of, of the things of God, read Hebrews. Disciples of Jesus, those that have been walking with Jesus for a while, read the book of Hebrews. See if you can understand all that Jesus truly is.
new followers of Jesus. Read the book of Hebrews. I guarantee you'll learn more and more about this Savior that you've decided to follow. And even skeptics of Jesus, read the book of Hebrews and see if it challenges some of your assumptions about Jesus. So let's just look at Hebrews 2 with this remaining time that we have together. Remember, Jesus is a sympathetic, side-by-side -side Savior. Jesus is that. Why is it important to know that Jesus puts himself into our category, that Jesus puts himself and counts himself as, as our brother, fully human? Well, it's very important. It's very important. And why is it important to understand that Jesus was fully God? That second doctrine of ours, that Jesus is truly and properly God and truly and properly man. Why is that important to know? Well, there's, a, there's quite a controversial position that's been around for as long as the church has been around. And that is that Jesus, yes, fully human. Yes, Jesus, uh, in every way, born of Mary. However, not fully divine. That's one idea. Another equally controversial idea is that, yes, Jesus was fully uh, a divine. He was, in fact, God, but he never fully came in the flesh. After all, flesh, and no doubt, we are corrupt. That's a, another belief. We're gonna, we'll talk about that in just a second. You know, in uh, Dan Brown's world-famous book, I don't know if uh, anyone's read it, I uh, saw the movie. I did not read the book. The Da Vinci Code. You ever heard of that book before? It's a, allegedly a story, a, 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 a conspiracy theory about Jesus. And he leads his readers to consider through this story the whole idea of Jesus of Galilee, the historical Jesus, and about being God, that that was a controversial and conspiratorial decision by the council of Nicaea a real council that met in the about 300 years after Jesus lived and never denying that he was fully man Brown's wild theory and fictional story follows a real vein that skeptics even to this day believe that the church propped him up as fully divine to squash any questions about who we are to follow and who we are to worship. But the Council of Nicaea, held nearly 300 years after Jesus' life, was yes. It, it was important to set some structure to the doctrine of Jesus, to fully understand what so many of the books uh, that we have in our Bible today, to separate some of those books as these are critical to what we need to understand about Jesus. These are important to the doctrine of Jesus. And so Hebrews was selected. And Hebrews was selected uh, because it was written in about, uh, about 40 years after Jesus died on a cross and ascended into heaven. About 40 years. So it's, it's written uh, A.D. 70. 
All right? So let's look at the timeline a little bit. Uh, Jesus lived and died about 30 A.D. is when he died and ascended to heaven. In about 70 A.D., we have the book of Hebrews being written. And some of the earliest uh, writings that are in the New Testament uh, show up at about 40 A.D., so a little bit before this book of Hebrews, by eyewitnesses, people that have seen and walked with Jesus. So evidence, evidence to those of us that believe in the Bible, in its accuracy, we see eyewitness accounts of Jesus walking among us. Jesus, among his favorite titles to call himself, was the Son of Man, where he puts himself into our category, but he fully acknowledges the title Son of God. He fully uh, uh, says that if you've seen the Father, you've seen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Sorry, I had that backwards a little bit. But the Council of Nicaea meets uh, nearly 300 years after the, the ascension of Jesus, looking at Paul's writings from 50 and 60 A.D., only about 20 years after Christ's death. And no doubt in those 240 years between, some very different and wild ideas started to emerge about Jesus. And so they had quite a bit to say about Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, like I said, was written about 30 to 40 years after his ascension, Jesus' ascension. So to me, it seems like a pretty reliable earlier writing. But as I said, another equally dangerous vein to hold on to was that Jesus wasn't fully man. That he never was truly flesh and blood human. And before we start pointing fingers to so many uh, people that believe this silly truth, let me tell you, it's a temptation for Christians that have even been following Christ for a long time to slip into. Jesus couldn't possibly be exactly like me. After all, he lived perfectly. He was without sin. He was a superhuman. He could do things that I couldn't do. That's true. Jesus was fully God. You are not. But you have the Holy Spirit in you. And, but some contend that Jesus was found in just as a, a appearance as a man, but not the real deal. And this is called Gnosticism. And throughout uh, Paul's writings, throughout all the writings in the New Testament, you'll see time and time again the emphasis on resurrection to battle this belief, to battle back this uh, a, a false heresy that Jesus was not fully human. So the importance here, it's very important to know and to understand that Jesus is fully and properly God and truly and properly man at the same time. Jesus X marks the spot. Truly and properly God, truly and properly man, that's where Jesus is. As I said, sometimes the uh, the temptation for those that have been following Christ to say that he's not truly, truly human, 
that comes when the, the proof is in the pudding. We might not say that, but we might believe that, thinking that, well, it, my sins and my mistakes, yes, uh, 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 God calls us to be holy. Jesus says, be holy, but I can't possibly live a pure and clean life. After all, I'm, I'm human, I'm flesh. Well, Jesus was, and he did, and he says that he gives us the power to do that. That's called sanctification, becoming more and more holy, becoming more and more like God in our lives. So let's go to Jesus. Let's just look at Jesus just for a second. Jesus, our sympathetic, side-by-side -side Savior. Let's look at the sympathizing. Verse 9. Verse 9. Thank you, uh, Christine, for reading that for us. Verse 9 says that he tasted death for us all, so we wouldn't have to. Jesus faced the separation of God, which is the true horror of death. The true horror of death is, is being separated away from God. Death officially is the separation of our soul from our body. You know that this body will decay. We've felt that in our knees and in our hips and all the different places. We know that our bodies are not meant to last. But our soul is eternal. And that death is that removal of our soul from our body. But true death is a separation of that soul from the presence of God. Jesus tasted death so that none of us have to ever face that kind of horror and that kind of death. He went to defeat all of hell by the power of his name, the writer goes on, and he was resurrected victoriously. You and I, when our souls are separated from our bodies, and that is death, but life for believers comes in Jesus' name in eternity. And one day we too will be resurrected never having been separated from God. Jesus suffered for us all. If you read through Hebrews, the second chapter, keep looking through. You'll see that word suffered, 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 repeated over and over and over again. Verse 9, 10, 18, and throughout that chapter, you'll see the suffering. He's suffering because he's put ourself, put himself in our corner sympathizing. He didn't want us to face death. And so he jumped in our corner and tasted it for us. Jesus, our sympathizer. In verse 17, it begins to touch on this message of Jesus being a, a merciful and faithful high priest. A high priest. As I mentioned, Major Shelley is preaching about this, I think, in in two weeks, she's preaching about this, which will leave that subject to her. But I just have to say this. It's an important and a big part 
of the connection of why Jesus had to be fully God and Jesus had to be fully man. In his role of the great high priest, that's critical. An arbitrator who cleanses and purifies the people through his sacrifice. It's a critical role for Jesus, and it's important in that role that he is truly and properly God and truly and properly man. Jesus, our great sympathizer, was tempted. In verse 18 it says, tempted in every way that we were, so that he knows exactly what temptation is like. You think you're alone in your temptation. You think it's stronger for you than it is for others. Well, Jesus knows temptation. He knows what kind of choice it is to believe versus to give in. And he gives strength to us in our situations. He gives strength, just as the angels helped him and came through and attended to him after he passed through the trial. He cares for us. He's rooting for us. He's rooting for us in our temptation. Jesus, verse 10, perfect and without sin. And I think this is the part that I said is a temptation for Christians when we consider Jesus's humanity and divinity coming together. We think he never sinned, and rightly so. He never did. But then we follow up with, we all sin. We're all human, after all. How many of, you, how many of us have ever said that? We're, we all sin. We're all human. After all, I'm, I'm just human. It's true. We are born sinners. That's true. But we must acknowledge that our great Jesus was just like us. He wasn't born of sin, but was fully human in every way like us. Yet he didn't sin. He wasn't immune to it. After all, he was tempted, as Hebrews just said, tempted in every way, verse 18, in every way just like us, so that he would know what temptation's like. He was tempted. He was tempted in the desert. You'll read that in the Gospels. He was tempted in the Garden of Gethsemane. At least it sounds that way to me when he prays to the Father, take this cup from me. But ultimately, in both of these situations, he did not sin and he accepted in the desert, he passed the test. In the garden, he said, not my will, but yours to the Father. And we, friends, were on his mind in the garden. If you don't believe me, read his prayers. They're all, for, they're all there for us. You were on his mind. He is mindful of you. Jesus is our sympathizer. Jesus knows Jesus put himself side by side. Jesus is our sympathetic side by side Savior. Jesus is mindful of us. Verses six and six through eight says that that we are significant. That he has us on his mind. That he thinks about about this. Think about this every time that you're tempted. Jesus has you on his mind. 
think that no one cares, think that no one sees you, think that no one uh, believes in you, Jesus does. Can I just tell you something that happened yesterday that I, just the Holy Spirit smacked me right in my right in my head, and it was so awesome. It was great to have my perspective changed. We were at a show choir competition that Landon had. First time I ever been to one of those. I tell you, it was pretty exciting. Um, we watched about four or five of the groups perform, and uh, after watching, you could you could tell how talented all of these young men and women that were singing, they're dancing and they're singing. It was uh, it was pretty incredible to watch. A group from Sioux City East High School gets up. And as they sing their first song, you, you're noticing all these young men and all these young women singing, and they're very talented, very talented. Their second song begins with all of the members of this choir stepping to the sides and this young man walking down the steps. And he's going to start seeing the solo. And these are high school students. Most of them stand as tall as me. Most of the, the young men, you know, are starting to grow beards or mustaches, you know. Uh, and the ladies look so grown up. But this young man that takes steps down, I'm not kidding you when I say that he looks like he's about 10 years old. He's about this tall. And if you've seen the average high school student, you realize right away that this young man is below, below average size. And the folks in our row, we start to look at each other to acknowledge what I think everyone in the whole room is acknowledging. Boy, that's a short kid. Boy, that kid looks like he's six-year-old, you know, an eight, a ten-year-old, whatever we were thinking in our mind. A young man gets up, and he sings an incredible song that I've never heard before in my life, but I printed the lyrics because it's so incredible. It says, every day, and this young man sang it perfectly and just belted it with all the confidence in the world. And it just stopped you in your tracks. The lyrics are this. Every day seems like the day before. Keeping to myself, but wanting so much more. I could be a painter or in the Hall of Fame. I can almost hear the calling of my name. But when people look at me, that's not what they see. Boy, sorry. It was just so powerful to see this young man sing this song about everybody looking at him and judging him. And that's exactly what I was doing. But he said, if the world only knew what I could do, if the world only knew what I could do, maybe I'd be free. If the world only knew what I could do, uh, then I wouldn't have to put up my guard to deal with fear. 
When things get too hard, then I disappear. I wish I could tell them and make them understand being different wasn't something that I had planned. I'm just going to wrap up with this. The world may overlook each and every one of us, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus is our side by side, sympathetic Savior. Because he's truly and properly God and truly and properly man. This God of ours became the author of our salvation. Another word for that in a different translation is the pioneer of our salvation. I like that word the best of all that I've ever seen. The pioneer of our salvation. He took his machete out and he blazed a trail to rescue the sons of Abraham. That's you and I. He called himself the Son of Man, putting himself in our category for you and me. I tell you, I don't know if you, like that young man, just wish the world could see something that maybe the world's overlooking us or the world's dismissing us or maybe it's the voice in our own head. We have a sympathetic side-by-side -side Savior. A Savior who cares, a Savior who knows, a Savior who loves, who forgives, who protects, and who strengthens. I think uh, I'm human, I mess up every day. Guess what? Jesus his mercies are new every day. We can walk in a holy and pure way. And we're hand in hand with this sympathetic, side-by-side -side Savior. Side-by-side. -side. That's Emmanuel. God with us. He's there for us. Sympathetic, tempted just as we were, yet without sin. Sympathetic in that he's been there. He's had the world turn their back on him. And Savior, he's laid his life down that all we have to do is call upon his name and walk with him. And we will not have to taste horror of death, separation from God.